Ready to start? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa salatu wa salam ala abdillahi wa rasulihi nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in So inshallah we're ready to start another, another class Do you remember what our topic was last week? What did we talk about last week? Yes, Habibi. The life of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam before he became a prophet. Yes, Mu'ad. Before? Before, and before Jibreel came to the Prophet ﷺ and we talked about prophets and prophethood and okay, excellent, very nice, very good. That's fantastic. Okay. So there was one thing that we didn't talk about yet. Perhaps you could just turn that down a little touch for me. I don't like it too loud. On the men's side only. Yeah, just that one right down there. Yeah, that's better. And a bit more. Just prefer, it's a bit too loud, the speaker. Okay, there is one thing about the life of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, before prophethood that we didn't talk about. There's a few things, but we, we, it's only a small class, right? So what's the most obvious thing about the life of the Prophet وسلم, before he became a prophet that we haven't spoken about yet? Okay, shall I give you a clue? I, I, before you answer it, I'm going to give you a clue, okay? What kind of class is this? What, what class are we in right now? No, no, Asira, I mean, what kind of what class are we in right now? Kids class, mm, that's your clue. Yes, Anna? Not about him being a child, no. What have we not spoken about from the things before prophethood? His children, his wife and his children. We haven't spoken about him getting married and we haven't spoken about him having children. So for this part, we have to sort of bring ourselves to the time when the Prophet ﷺ is around about 25 years old. And the Prophet وسلم, he has a job. He's got a job. What do you think his job was? I don't know if you're scratching your head or answering the question. Yes. Trading. So he was a trader. And what do you think there was from his character, from his personality? Why he was such an excellent person for that job? What do we know about him, about his personality that made him the most, the most excellent of people? And I give you a clue that the same thing is repeated in the story of Musa. Go on. He never cheated anyone. That's an amazing answer. He never cheated anyone. What, do you remember the story of Musa? Do you remember Musa 
and the well and the two ladies who were, they were trying to fill the water from the well and they couldn't fill the water from the well. And Musa ended up getting a job from their father. And one of the girls, she said to her father, Ya Abbot Istajib. She said, Oh, my father, give him a job. Why? Because the best person you can give a job is who? Al Qawiyul Amin. The one who is strong and trustworthy. So the Prophet was very trustworthy. And do you know who was his employer? Who was the person who gave him that job? Do you, th you think it was Abu Bakr, right? No? Hmm. Was it Umar? What do you think, Ria? No, nearly, you got close, you got close, it was a lady, it was a lady. Actually, at that time, she wasn't his wife. But yes, you're right, it was Khadija bintu Khuwaylid radiyallahu anha. There was a lady called Khadija and she was a businesswoman. She used to buy and sell. But in those times, and until this time, it's not really, she wasn't the one in the markets, you know? Don't think that Khadija was the one going out every day in the markets. It wasn't like that. She had people who worked for her, who would go out and buy things for her and sell things for her. So if you're gonna give someone your money and say, go and buy this for me, and go and sell this for me, what sort of a person do you want to give that money to? Someone like Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Actually, there's no one like Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam because he's unique. But someone who is trustworthy, someone who is honest. So, when the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was 25, he was asked to go on a trip to Syria to Sham. Remember the trips to Sham? We mentioned Sham, Yemen, back and forward, yeah? He was asked to go on a trip to Syria in order to trade for Khadija, to buy for her and to sell for her. And Khadija sent along with him someone who watched how he was. And when Khadija asked about him, not only was his business, it was very profitable, but he was very trustworthy. He never cheated anybody and he never lied to anybody. And he took all of Khadija's money and brought it back to her safely without taking anything that he shouldn't have. So Khadija, she saw that this would be an excellent person to marry to get married to, would be an excellent person to get married to. And so Khadija radiallahu anha, she married the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And all of the children of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, because the Prophet sallallahu had different wives in his life, right? Over the time of his life, he had different wives. But all of his children were all from Khadija except one. 
But we'll come to that later because it's not at that part of the story yet. We haven't come to Medina. But all of his children were from Khadija. Their, their mom was Khadija, except one, which we'll talk about in, in Medina. So what about the children of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Now this is a kid's class, it's full of kids. So what do you guys know about the children of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? First of all, let me ask you a question. How many boys, how many girls? We're not just talking about from Khadija, in total. How many boys, how many girls? Okay, Rayhana, give me a first suggestion. Three boys, three girls. Okay, so Rayhana says three boys and three girls. Anyone got any different? Zohra, what do you think? Two boys and one girl. Okay, definitely more than that. Yes, uh, Aisha, what do you think? Two boys and five girls. Two boys and five girls. So we've got ikhtalaf al-ulama. The scholars differed among themselves. Huh? Okay, shall we count them? The first one is al-Qasim. The first one is Al-Qasim radiyallahu Al-Qasim And that is the name that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam took as his kunya Do you know what a kunya is? It's a nickname that begins Abu for a man and Um for a, a lady, yeah? So the Prophet ﷺ, what was his, his nickname, his, his name that he took? It was Abu al-Qasim. Abu al-Qasim. And that's why after he became a prophet, no one else was allowed to take that name so that it wasn't confused and said, oh, Abu al-Qasim said this. Which one? So there was only one during his lifetime, and that was Muhammad wasallam. So al-Qasim, okay, that's the first one. So that's one boy, we've got two. Abul Qasim. Go on. Ibrahim. That's the... That's the second boy. Okay. Do we have a third boy? Abdullah. Okay? Okay? So we have now to the girls. We have who? Who's the most famous of all the daughters of the Prophet? Fatima radiallahu anha. And we have Zainab. And we have Ruqayya. And we have one more. No, 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 no. Hafsa was his wife. Khadija was his wife. Um Kulthum. Um Kulthum. And that's why the poet he said, Wawuduhu minha khala Ibrahim 
فالأول القاسم هذا التكريم وزينب رقية وفاطمة وأم كلثوم لهن خاتمة والطاهر طيب عبد الله وقيل كل اسم لفرد زاهي So we had how many boys in the end? Three boys. How many girls? Zainab, Ruqayya, Fatima, and Um Kulthum. We had four girls. Of those children, how many of them lived after the Prophet ﷺ died? When he died, how many of his children were left alive? So he said, how many boys? Three boys and four girls. How many were left alive? How many were still alive when he died? One. Which was? Which one? Fatima. Fatima radiallahu anha, she was the only one who outlived her father sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa All of his children, their mother was who? Khadija, except for Ibrahim. Except for Ibrahim, he was the only one who he was the only one whose mother was not Khadija. So all of his children came from Khadija except for Ibrahim. Okay. So now we learned about the Prophet ﷺ getting married and he didn't marry anybody else while Khadija was alive. So while Khadija was alive, he just had just one wife, which was Khadija. And all of those children were from Khadija except for Ibrahim who came later. Who came later. So we talked about the children of the Prophet ﷺ and we said that all of them died in his lifetime except Fatima radiallahu anha. Why do you think that all of the boys of the Prophet ﷺ passed away before him? What was the wisdom from Allah? Why did Allah make it that all of his boys passed away and died before he did? Why is that important? Yes, Rahman. Because? They were born for... Okay, yeah, maybe. Because they were born... But Ibrahim was born last, right? So Ibrahim was the last, last one to be born. So you would think that probably Ibrahim would still have been alive. Why, what's the wisdom? Why all of those boys, none of them lived? Because the Prophet ﷺ was the last Prophet, so nobody would be confused and think that his son took the Prophethood after him. Nobody would, nobody would say that, or his son should take the Prophethood after him. His son should be a Prophet after him. So that everybody knew, like Allah just said, مَا كَانَ مُحَمَّدًا أَبًا أَحَدٍ مِنْ رِجَالِكُمْ Muhammad is not the father of any one of your men, but he is 
Rasulullah wa Khatim al-Nabiyyin and the last of the Prophets. The last of the Prophets. Okay. So now we learned a lot about the Prophet ﷺ before he became a Prophet. What do you think he felt about the people, his people in Mecca? We told about how they were, they used to worship idols, they used to worship the sun and the stars and the angels and the graves and the dead people and the prophets. and They used to worship stones and they used to worship trees and they used to drink alcohol and they used to kill each other. How do you think the Prophet Muhammad felt about his people? Yes, Ram. Very sad. Very, very sad. And how do you think, what would you, if you were in that position, like, like that, what would you do? Do you think that you would be right in the middle of all those people? with them drinking alcohol all around you and worshipping their idols? Or do you think that you might just go away from them all and be alone? You would try, have to try to stay away. Of course, he had to try to be with the people to, to teach them and help them. But when people are like that and you don't have any information or any instructions from Allah, so what do you have to do? You have to just distance yourself. So the Prophet ﷺ started to, he started to distance himself and to worship Allah by himself. And he would go to a cave. And this cave was known as Ghar Hira, the cave of Hira. And the Prophet ﷺ would not just go for an hour and come back. He would go for days. He would take from Khadija his food and his things and he would go and he would just pray to Allah for, for just go and pray to Allah and after a few days he would come back again. He used to like to be by himself. And the closer he came to 40 years old, the more he liked to be by himself. And he would just go and be by himself on his own by himself. And he would just pray and ask Allah, yes, Mu'ad. Later we'll come to every question, okay? So we try to, because why? Because we don't have a time, time to cover everything in the seerah, so we just want to cover more, the most important things, okay? But so we'll talk about it later. So, he used to like to be alone. And one time, he went up into the cave of Al-Hira, in the mountain. And the strangest thing happened to him. Something appeared in front of him. And, and said to him, O Muhammad, iqra. Muhammad, read. And he squeezed him so tight, he thought he was going to die. Now you imagine you're by yourself in a cave. You're by yourself, there's nobody else there. And this something comes in front of you and squeezes you so hard that you think you're going to die and says, Iqra, read. 
read the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, Ma ana biqari. He said, I'm not someone who can read. Because our Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu he couldn't read and he couldn't write. Why did Allah make it that he couldn't read and couldn't write? I mean, reading and writing is not, I mean, you can learn, right, eventually. Why did Allah make it? What was the wisdom that he couldn't read and write? What was the reason why he couldn't read and write? Do you think it was a good thing or a bad thing that he couldn't read and write? You think it was a bad thing? Okay. Does anyone think it was a good thing? Why do you think it was a good thing? You don't know. Okay. Does anyone think it was a good thing and has a reason why? Yes, Mu'ad. Okay, but I mean, why was it a good thing? You said it was a good thing. Why was it something good? I agree with you. I believe it was a good thing. But why? Why was it a good thing? Yes. Because it was a miracle. How can someone come with this Qur'an who can't read and who can't write? And that's why the scholars, they say, that not being able to read and write is a bad thing for everyone except for the Prophet ﷺ. For him, it was a miracle. How can someone who can't read or write bring this Qur'an? Except if it came from Allah. So it made people realize that Islam is, Islam is true. Okay. Jibreel said to him, Iqra, read. He said, Ma ana biqari, I can't read. Then Jibreel squeezed him again so hard that he said, I thought I was going to die. And just when he thought his breath was going to go, he let go of him and he said, Iqra, read. The Prophet ﷺ said, Ma ana biqari, I, I'm not someone who can read. I can't read. Then he squeezed him again and he said to him, Iqra, read. Until he said to him, Iqra, bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq, khalaq al insana min alaq, Iqra, wa rabbuka al akram, alladhi allama bil qalam, allama al insana ma lam ya'lam. He said, read in the name of your Lord who created you. Who created mankind from, and Allah created people from a alaq, like a, a clot of blood, like a, a drop of blood. Iqra, read. And your Lord is Al-Akram. That's one of the names of Allah, the most generous. He taught with the pen. He taught people what they didn't know before. And then the messenger left. How do you think the Prophet felt? When he received that revelation. Yes, Ryan. 
Not sad, not sad, not, not, not quite the right word. Yes, scared, extremely, extremely scared. Maybe we can take from this the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal. Inna anzalna alayka. What did Allah Azza wa Jal say about the Quran? What did Allah tell us about the Quran? Allah Azza wa Jal called it what? Qawlan thaqila. Allah Azzawajal called the Qur'an something heavy. It's very heavy. It was hard for the Prophet ﷺ to... It was hard for him. Even these five ayahs, it was very, very hard. They said when revelation used to come to him, it would be so, it would be so heavy upon him. That he would break into a sweat from the how hard it was. Because remember, this is coming from Allah. This is not something small. It's qawlan thaqila. It's heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy. So the Prophet ﷺ was very scared. And he did it. Did he have any information about who came? Did any? Did the messenger introduce himself and say, "Salamu alaykum, my name is Jibreel. I've come to you." Nothing. He just squeezed him and said to him, "Iqra, read." And then he said to him the first five ayat of Surah Iqra. And then he left. And Jibreel also is is is. Uh, how did how was Jibreel described? How was Jibreel described? The Prophet ﷺ, he said that he had how many wings? 600 wings that filled the whole of the sky. Is that not scary? That's scary, right? You never met anyone like that before and they come to you and squeeze you so hard and he has, Jibreel has 600 wings that filled the whole sky. Mean if you look all the way from that side of the sky to that side of the sky, you just can see the wings of Jibreel. And he squeezed him that hard. And he told him to read, and the Prophet couldn't read. He didn't know how to read. So the Prophet ran and he went back home to Khadija. And he said to Khadija his famous statement. Cover me, cover me. He was shaking. And he was scared. And so Khadija, she covered him and she comforted him. She said some words to make him feel better. Does anyone know some of the things she said to him? To make him feel better. She said, Allah will never ever make something bad happen to you. Don't worry. Don't worry. Allah will never make something bad happen to you. She said, rahim. You keep ties with your family. And you look after the weak people, the poor people and the needy people. 
and you help the truth. You help for the truth to come out. Allah is not going to hurt you. Allah is not going to make something bad happen to you. And Khadija, she took the Prophet ﷺ to her cousin. And her cousin was a man named Waraka ibn Nawfal. And he was someone who had become a Christian before Islam. So he knew about Allah and he knew about revelation. And when Khadija, she took the Prophet ﷺ to Waraka, he told Waraka what happened. And Waraka said to him, this is the angel that came to Musa. This, is, this angel is the angel who comes with what? With revelation. That's what happened to you. Don't be scared. The angel came to you to give you a message from Allah. How did Waraka know this? How did Waraka know that that was the angel Jibreel? Waraka was someone who knew because he was a person who studied the religion of Isa. Do you understand? He had studied about Isa. And Isa was a prophet. And he had studied about Musa. So he knew about Musa and he knew about Isa. So he knew about the angel Jibreel. So when he heard, he said, this is the angel that came to Musa. And then he said to the Prophet wasallam that his people were going to, he said, I wish I would be alive when your people are going to throw you out of Mecca. When your people are going to throw you out of Mecca, so I would defend you. I would defend you. He said, are my people going to throw me out? Is that what's going to happen? My people are going to throw me out from Mecca? He said, yes. He said, nobody brought something like you except that the people are going to go against you and the people are going to take you out from Makkah and make you leave. How did the Prophet ﷺ know or how did revelation start for the Prophet ﷺ? Does anybody know what it started with? Before Iqra. Before Iqra, how did it, what was the beginning of it? No, no, before. No, that's a good answer when Abu Talib uh, took him to see the, the monk. But no, that's not true. I, if I give you a clue, will it help? So if I say to you, it's the only thing that is left out of prophethood. The Prophet ﷺ said, nothing is left of prophethood. Except for the good news. It's a difficult clue, I know that.
Okay, something started giving him good news. What started giving him good news? Okay, but what, what did he see that started to give him that? Okay. That's a very good try, but no, that's a very good guess, though. That's an excellent guess. You are getting close. The answer is true dreams. Nothing is left from prophethood except for the glad tidings. They said, what is the glad tidings? Your messenger of Allah, he said, He said, the true dream. يراه الرجل الصالح أو يرى له ويراه الرجل الصالح يرى له أو كما قال صلى الله عليه وسلم he said the only thing that's left is the true dreams so it started with true dreams it started with true dreams it started with true dreams every dream the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم saw it would come true then he, he started to be alone in the cave. Then the angel Jibreel came and then he went to Waraka ibn Nawfal and Waraka told him that this is the angel Jibreel. And then something really difficult happened. A very, very big test happened to the Prophet A very big, big, big test happened to him. Does anyone know what that big test was? It was a very difficult situation for the Prophet ﷺ happened. Yes, what do you think? No. No. That's later on, no. Later on. The revelation stopped. And no more messages came from the angel Jibreel. So you imagine the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he was told, Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq, khalaq al-insana min alaq, iqra' wa rabbuka al-akram, alladhi allama bil-qalam, allama al-insana ma lam ya'lam. And then it stopped. And he started to feel worried that maybe he's done something wrong. What shall I do? What now? What's next? What shall I do? And he became very worried. And even perhaps it might have been that the people started to, you know, maybe even say things. Even though he wasn't preaching the message then at that time, he wasn't telling people about Islam. And whether it was this time or another time, this is about the kind of situation that Allah revealed about in Surah Al-Duha. Wal-Duha wal-layli idha saja ma wadda'aka rabbuka wa ma qala Your Lord has not left you and your Lord doesn't hate you. 
Because whenever the revelation stopped, the people might say about the Prophet ﷺ later on that your Lord has left you now. See, Allah has left you. He hasn't given you anything else. He's abandoned you. Do you know what abandoned means? Like he's just left you like that. And Allah said, Your Lord never left you. And they might say about him, your Lord doesn't like you. That's why Allah doesn't like you. That's why he doesn't give you the, any more revelation. And he doesn't, he doesn't hate you. Allah loved the Prophet Muhammad Allah loves the Prophet Muhammad And Allah, why do you think Allah made this break in the revelation? What some of the reasons, some of the reasons why there was a break in the revelation. Why would be some of the benefits, why there would be a break in the revelation? As a test, that's excellent, that's the first one. To test him, no doubt. You, I thought you were nearly going to say what I was after. To make him stronger also. To prepare him to be ready. Because if it all came at once, if the Quran all came at once, if the Quran all came at once, what would happen? First of all, it's heavy, right? In, what did we say? Qawlan thaqila. It's a heavy, heavy word. So you, if it all comes at once, it's too much. So Allah gave a small amount and gave time for him to become stronger before he had to tell people about it. So at this time, who had believed? Who had accepted Islam? Because the Prophet was not told to preach. Do, do, do you understand what that means? He wasn't told to tell people to become Muslim. He wasn't told, he didn't tell anyone, come to Islam yet. Who was the first person to accept Islam? Or the first people? Because we can't really say the first person, but okay, the first person and the first people. Khadija. Khadija, no doubt. After Khadija, among the men, who was the first man to accept Islam? Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. And who is the first boy to accept Islam? Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu But the Prophet wasn't telling everybody about Islam until one surah came. The Prophet saw Angel Jibreel one more time. And this time he saw Angel Jibreel in his full, his full form. And he had 600 wings and the wings filled the whole sky. And a surah came down which changed everything. Which surah was it? No, Iqra, we talked about the five eyes. Surah Al-Muddathir. Recite the first few eyes if you can. Ya ayyuhal muddathir qum fa'anthir. Carry on. Warabbaka fa'kabbir. Wathiyabaka fa'tahir. Warrujza fa'hjur. Allah Azza wa Jal said, Ya ayyuhal muddathir. O you who is wrapped up. The Prophet was wrapped up in his clothes. Qum, stand up. فَأَنذِرْ And tell the people, warn the people. وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّرْ And say, Allahu Akbar. 
don't say that like the people say what some of the bad things people said about Allah they said Allah has a son they said Allah has daughters they said bad things about Allah which are not true don't say those bad things about Allah وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّرْ وَثِيَابَكَ فَطَهِّرْ and purify your garments some of the scholars they said it means purify your heart purify your intention purify your actions and keep away from the idols. And so on. And there was another ayah which was revealed and some of the scholars mention it in Surah Shu'ara. وَأَنذِرْ عَشِيرَتَكَ الْأَقْرَبِينَ Warn the close people around you. So the Prophet ﷺ, remember, how do people think of him? What, what do, before he became a Prophet, what did people think of him? Before he became a Prophet. Everybody loved him. No, no, you're mixed up. Before he became a Prophet, everybody loved him. They said he was Al-Ameen, the most trustworthy. The best of us, the best of us and the son of the best of us, they loved everything about him. And then one day, he stood up on the mountain of As-Safa in Mecca and he cried out as if there was an army about to attack people. You know, like when you shout, emergency, emergency, yeah? It's a big problem. And everybody came. Why did they come? Because he is the trustworthy person. He's the one that everybody trusts. He called them all together, all the tribes, all the people in Makkah, his family, all of them together. And what did he tell them? He said, if I said to you, that there is an army over this mountain that is about to attack you, would you believe me? What did they say? He said, yes, we've never known for you to lie. We've never seen you lie before. He said, then I am warning you of a big punishment that is going to come. I'm going to warn you of a punishment that is going to come. And in the crowd was his uncle, Abu Lahab. And Abu Lahab became angry and he said, Tabban lak. He said, did you bring us for this? May you die. He said a very bad word to him. He said to him, Tabban lak. So what did Allah reveal from the Quran? تَبَّتْ يَدَىٰ أَبِي لَهَبٍ وَتَبْ مَا أَغْنَىٰ عَنْهُ مَالُهُ وَمَا كَسَبْ سَيَصْلَىٰ نَارًا ذَاتَ لَهَبْ وَامْرَأَتُهُ حَمَّالَةَ الْحَطَبْ فِي جِيدِهَا حَبَلٌ مِنْ مَسَدْ That who is the one who is going to suffer and who is the one who is going to die and who is the one that's going to be destroyed? Abu Lahab, not the Prophet And this started... 
the problems in Mecca. Because before then, there wasn't the problems in Mecca. There weren't, these problems weren't happening in Mecca. Because the Prophet was not told to tell people about Islam. Now he's telling people openly about Islam. He's going to the Hajj time when the people come for the Hajj. And he's saying to the people, Ya qawmi qulu la ilaha illallahu tuflihu. Oh my people, say la ilaha illallah and you will be successful. And the Muslims went through a very, very hard time. They went through a very hard time. Because some of the people who... In fact, let me ask you a question. Who, what kind of people do you think accepted Islam? I'm going to give you a choice. Do you think it was the rich and famous? Or do you think it was the poor and the weak people who accepted Islam? Who put your hand up if you think the rich and famous people accepted Islam in the beginning? Nobody thinks so. Put your hand up if you think the poor and the weak people. For sure, generally speaking. Now, there were some people. Abu Bakr was, he had wealth. He was able to buy the freedom of some of the Muslims. But many of the Muslims were very weak and some of the Muslims were slaves. Do you know what that means? What does that mean? Yes, Raihana. Not quite worked for somebody more worse than that. Yes, Anas. You're getting close. Yes. You're right, you're right. But what does it mean? What does it mean that they were slaves? They were owned by someone. Like how you own a car or how you own a pen. Those people were owned by some other people. So those people used to torture them very badly. They used to take them out into the desert and put hot rocks on them. And they used to beat them and hit them until they would and tell them, turn back from your religion. Did they turn back from their religion? They wouldn't turn back. Could the Prophet ﷺ help them? The Muslims couldn't help them. And there was one family, very famous family, who suffered a lot. But they were just one family. They suffered so much. And this family was called the family of Yasir. And whenever the Prophet ﷺ would go past them, he would say to them, Sabran ala Yasir. He would say, be patient, O family of Yasir, because you're going to go to Jannah. You're going to go to Jannah. And in fact, the first person, does anyone know the first person who died for Islam? What was their name? The first person, they were beaten and punished so much that they died. Do you know what that person's name was? Go on, Anas. Sumayya, Sumayya radiallahu anha. She was the first person to die for Allah, to die for Islam. And she died because she, her, the person who owned her tortured her and hurt her so badly that she died. She died from it. And she went to, she went to Jannah. How do we know she went to Jannah? Because the Prophet ﷺ said, فَإِنَّ مَوْعِدُكُمُ الْجَنَّةِ You're fine, you're going to go to 
you're going to go to Jannah. And she went to Jannah. Anha. Yes. We come later, okay? We we'll later, inshallah, because we have to get through what we have to get through today. Okay. So we talked about the situation of the Muslims was very, very bad. It was so bad that the people from Quraysh The people from Quraysh They completely cut off from the Muslims They didn't let them marry They didn't let them buy anything or sell anything from them They completely cut them off To the point where the Muslims were eating the leaves from the trees Because they didn't have any food And they were in a very bad situation Who was looking out for the Prophet ﷺ in that time? Who was looking out for him after Allah was keeping him safe? But which people were looking after him? Who was looking after him at that time? Yes, Anas. Abu Talib. Was Abu Talib a Muslim? No. He wasn't a Muslim. So why was he looking out for the Prophet if he wasn't a Muslim? Yeah, you're right, that's true Because of Abdul Muttalib Because it was his Because it was his nephew For family reasons He was looking after him But many people They didn't have people to look after them Especially the slaves And the people who were not from Mecca They didn't have people to look after them And they had a very, very hard time A very hard time In the fifth year after the prophethood, five years after the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ has become a prophet, what age did he become a prophet at? Forty. So how old is he now in this part where I'm talking? Forty-five right now. What happened was the situation became so bad for the Muslims that a group of Muslims left Mecca. They left Mecca for the sake of Allah. They left Mecca for the sake of Allah to go to where? Where did they go to? Medina, right? Ab they went to Al-Habasha, to Abyssinia. Where is Abyssinia? Where is Al-Habasha? Anas. What is now Ethiopia or around that area of Ethiopia? So Africa, they went to? They went to Africa. It's the part of Africa that is close. If you look at, uh, if you go south from Mecca and you go towards the coast, in the part of Africa which is close, you have Al-Habasha, close to Yemen and places like that. You have Al-Habasha in Africa. Why did they go to Al-Habasha? Why didn't they move to Medina? Why didn't they move to Sham? Why didn't they move to Yemen? Why did they move to Al-Habasha? Why go to Africa? Why go to Al-Habasha? 
Yes. Why not the why not go nearby? Why not just leave Makkah and go to Jeddah? Okay, so it's going to get worse and worse and worse. You're right. But there has to be another reason why that place. Why that place exactly? No, there wasn't any Muslims, but you're very close. There wasn't Muslims, but who was there? There was a Christian king. And this king was known to be kind and soft-hearted. And his name was An-Najashi. He became Muslim. He accepted Islam. May Allah be pleased with him. He accepted Islam and he became Muslim. And he was a kind person. So he welcomed those people who went to Abyssinia. How many people went to Abyssinia? Twelve men and four women. They went to Abyssinia. Not a big group, but just a few of the people who could go. They went to Abyssinia. While they were in Abyssinia, something happened. They heard a story. Does anyone know the story? And does anyone know the surah that the story comes from? While they were in Abyssinia, they heard a story that made them come back to Mecca. They heard the story that everyone had become Muslim. And that all of the enemies of Islam were gone and that Makkah was safe. Was that true? No. That wasn't true. That wasn't true. No, that wasn't true. But that's what they heard. And the surah? The end of surah al-Najm. أَفَمِنْ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ تَعْجَبُونَ وَتَضْحَكُونَ وَلَا تَبْكُونَ وَأَنْتُمْ سَامِدُونَ فَاسْجُدُوا لِلَّهِ وَاعْبُدُوا When they heard the end of Surah Al-Najm When they heard the end of Surah Al-Najm It's said, it's narrated that Quraysh fell down on the floor They put their forehead on the floor, they made sajda Did they make sajda because they became Muslim? No because they got so scared of the punishment of Allah that they it said that's what is narrated. And Allah knows best that some of them they made sajda. And so the story came that Quraysh has become Muslim, but actually they didn't. And so they came back and they found the situation was even worse. Then they went back to Habasha again, but this time there was 83 men and there was a large group of there was a large group of people they all went back to al habasha they all went back to habasha okay so far we've talked about abu bakr being a muslim so far we've talked about abu bakr being a muslim 
But we haven't yet talked about two very important people when they became Muslim. The first one is Hamza. Radiallahu And Hamza became Muslim six years after the prophethood. So when the Prophet was 46, Hamza, kids, Hamza became Muslim. What do you know about Hamza, the uncle of the Prophet What do you know about him? He was very strong. So Islam became, Islam became very, very strong. Islam became very strong. Islam became very, very strong. But still the Muslims were suffering a lot. Still the Muslims were suffering. They were suffering a lot. And in this situation, some people passed away. Do you know who passed away? All of them passed away at a similar time. Khadija passed away and Abu Talib passed away. And the Prophet وسلم, had gone to Ta'if. Ta'if is just next to Mecca, right? It's nearby to Mecca. And the people didn't accept him. They threw stones at him. And he had to leave from Ta'if and go back to Mecca. And then the same similar kind of time, Khadija died and Abu Talib died. When Abu Talib died, did he die as a Muslim? No. And Khadija, she died. How do you think the Prophet felt when Khadija died? Very, very upset. Because he lost his wife. He lost the one who was supporting him the most. The one who was looking after him and taking care of him, and the mother of his children, and she died. And he lost his uncle who was looking after him in Mecca, and his uncle didn't become Muslim. And there's a story when his uncle died, his uncle was dying. The Prophet came to him while his uncle was dying. And he said to him, uncle, why don't you say la ilaha illallah, and I will argue for you in front of Allah. I will ask Allah to forgive you. I will ask Allah to forgive you. And on the other side, there were people from Quraysh who said to him, Don't, are you going to leave the religion of your grandfather? Are you going to change your grandfather's religion? Then the Prophet said, My uncle, say la ilaha illallah so that I can defend you, I can argue for you in front of Allah. Then again on the other side, they said, are you going to leave the religion of your grandfather? Abu Talib had a choice. Which one? This one or that one? He died saying, I die upon the religion of my grandfather. And he didn't choose Islam. He loved Islam and he loved the Prophet So why did he not choose Islam then? 
if he loved the Prophet ﷺ and he loved Islam, why did he not choose Islam then when he was given a choice when he was gonna when he was gonna die? Yes, friend. No, he thought people, you're nearly right, he thought people were going to say bad things about him. So he was more worried about what the people were going to say about him. That the people were going to say, you changed your grandfather's religion and you left your grandfather's religion. So he didn't, he didn't become a Muslim. So that was a very hard year for the Prophet wasallam. Then the Prophet وسلم, eventually he got married again. Do you know who he got married to? This is a tough question. After Khadija, who did the Prophet وسلم, get married to? Yes, nearly, you're close. Aisha comes just after that, but before Aisha and after Khadija. Yes, Raihana. Yes, Rahma. Fatima is his daughter, no? No, Halima is the woman who looked after him when he was a baby. No, not Zainab. Good guess, though. Not Hafsa. Hafsa was later. Sauda. Sauda radiallahu anha. And that was also in Ramadan. What happened in Ramadan? The first ayah came down. Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq. And many, many things they happen in the month of Ramadan. From one of those is that the Prophet وسلم, he got married to Sauda radiallahu anha. Then after that, Aisha. After that was Aisha. And Aisha is whose daughter? Whose daughter is Aisha? Abu Bakr's daughter. As-Siddiqatu bint As-Siddiq radiallahu anhuma. The truthful one who is the daughter of the truthful one. So now we mention Abu Bakr's name is a Siddiq, the truthful one. Why was he given that name? Well, for that we need to talk about what happened to the Prophet Sallallahu Roughly 51 years old, approximately. Something very special happened to him. And that is Allah Azza wa Jal took him on a journey. And this journey started in Mecca. So my question is what? Where did it end? This was a special journey from Allah. It started in Mecca. Where did the journey end? Yes. Not in Medina, no, not quite. Further, much further than Medina. Very good. I like that answer. That's a good answer. It ended in the seventh heaven. On the earth, where did it end? So it was from Makkah to where? 
to Jerusalem, to Beit al-Maqdis, to Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? Why Jerusalem? Why not Medina? Why Jerusalem? What happened? What was Jerusalem known for? Beit al-Maqdis. Ibrahim also, yeah. So, all the prophets, all the prophets that we know from Bani Israel were all around that area of Beit al-Maqdis. Who was the first one to enter it from among those prophets? We said that it was, we had Ibrahim and uh, Ishaq. And then the first one to enter it again was Musa, right? Musa, alayhi salam, who didn't enter into it, but he came to the, he came to the edge of it. And then finally, when he, they entered into it, Bani Israel, yeah? It's time for the Adhan. Okay, put it on pause, we'll come back after the Adhan, inshallah. So we, we're just going to finish by talking about Al-Isra wal Mi'raj. Talking about the special journey that the Prophet Wasallam was taken on. And that special journey started off in Mecca, the Masjid Al-Haram. And on the earth, it was a journey to Bayt Al-Maqdis, to Jerusalem. And from Bayt Al-Maqdis, in Jerusalem, the Prophet ﷺ led all of the prophets in prayer. As a miracle, as a miracle from Allah that he led all of the prophets in prayer. And he traveled on an animal that was a very special animal. Does anyone know anything about the animal? What was the animal called? Begins with a bat. Do you know Alicia? No. 
<laughs> okay, does anyone know what that is called? It was, yes, it was kind of like a horse, but not a horse. It was between a horse and a mule. It was called Burak. And it was so fast that in one step, it would go as far as your eye can see with one step. And very quickly, the Prophet ﷺ reached Bayt al-Maqdis, Jerusalem, and he led the prophets in prayer. And then Allah took him up to the first heaven. And with him was Jibreel. And they knocked on the door. And they said, the angel who was guarding the door of the heaven said, who is it? It's Jibreel. Is anyone with you? He said, Muhammad is with me. He said, has he been given permission? He said, yes. So they opened the door for him and he went. And in each level of the heavens, he met a different prophet. Now I'm going to give you a homework for next week. You, there are how many levels of the heavens? There are seven, right? In which level did he meet which prophet? That's for next week. You research, okay? You try to find out in your books, Sira books, or you ask your mom and dad to look for you on the internet. In each one, who did he meet? Finally, he went up and up and up until he reached a Sidratul Muntaha. A Sidratul Muntaha is the last, last, the top, top place in Jannah. And he saw all of the signs of Allah Azza wa Jal, many, many things that he saw. And about this, Allah Azza wa Jal said, in which surah, which surah is this mentioned, by the way? Which surah is this mentioned in? Yes, Rahman. Surah? No. No. It's mentioned in Surah Al-Isra, but not, I'm not, I'm talking about this, about Jannah and what he saw. No. No. Surah Al-Najm, in the beginning of Surah Al-Najm. لَقَدْ رَآ مِنْ آيَاتِ رَبِّهِ الْكُبْرَى He saw the major signs of Allah. So he reached the highest place. And when he reached the highest place, Jibreel said something to him. Do you know what Jibreel said? Jibreel said to him, I'm not allowed to go any further. I'm not allowed to go any further. Only you can go past this point. So then the Prophet Muhammad wasallam he went past the Sidratul Muntaha, the last place you can go, he went past it. The last place you can go and he went, he went past it. And at that time, Allah spoke to him directly. Allah spoke to him directly. And what did Allah tell him? You all should know this. What did Allah tell the Prophet ﷺ about? Not the exact words, but what was the topic? What did Allah tell the Prophet ﷺ about? Go on. No, the Quran for sure is a revelation, a message from Allah. But at that time, when he went to the highest place, to past Sidratul Muntaha, what did Allah ﷺ tell him about? The five daily prayers. 
How many were the five daily prayers? They were, let's see if we get the right number. How many times a day did Muslims have to pray? Wrong. Six, wrong. Fifty, well done, Rahma. Fifty. Rahma is correct. Fifty. Ah, but we don't pray, does any of you pray fifty times a day? Do you pray fifty times a day, Yusuf? Maybe in your dreams, but not in real life. You don't pray 50 times a day. So how is it that Allah said 50, but now we pray 5? Because he went down the Prophet he said he took the 50. And he came and he went by Musa. He went by Musa. And Musa said, what has Allah said to you? He said, Allah has commanded me to pray 50 times every day my ummah to pray the prophet was praying before that but he was only praying like the the two rakaat and he was praying the night prayer but he wasn't praying the daily prayers before that then allah told him to pray 50 times a day and musa said what musa said your people can't do it he said i know i've been with bani israel i know Go and ask Allah to make it smaller. So he went back to Allah and he asked Allah to make it smaller. Until the number became five. Then he went back to Musa. What did Musa say? Did Musa say, yeah, well done. What did Musa say? He said, it's too much, go back. He says, too much, go and ask Allah to make it smaller. The Prophet was shy. He said, that's enough now. Five is, five is okay. Five is enough. And so Allah gave him five prayers, which is worth, what? Fifty. Every time you pray, you get ten prayers. Fajr is worth ten. Dhuhr is worth ten. Asr is worth ten. Maghrib is worth 10. Isha is worth 10. You pray 5, you get 50. You pray 5 and you get 50. Subhanallah. What do we learn about the salah, about the prayer from this story of Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj? What do we learn about the, about the prayer? Okay, that it was, it was harder, but it's become easy. No, Musa was not right. <laughs> five is perfect. Musa was right the first time, but five is, five is perfect. Mm. Don't we learn how important the prayer is? That Allah Azza wa Jal chose that particular time, in that special place, in that special situation, that Allah chose it just so the Prophet ﷺ would teach his people to pray. So after La ilaha illallah, what is the most important thing in Islam after La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah? What's the most important thing after your belief and what you believe? What's the most important thing? The five times prayer a day. And I want all of you guys to listen to this and it's worth it. Wallah, listen to it and think about it. It's such an important thing. And so many of us, we don't do it properly. Many of you guys, I know, you reach 10 years old. 
The Prophet ﷺ, he told you when you reach seven, your parents tell you to pray. If you reach ten, they discipline you if you don't pray. Five times every day. But many of you don't pray Fajr. Many of you don't pray Dhuhr because of school. Sometimes you don't pray Asr or you pray late. This is the most important thing in Islam after your belief in Allah is your prayer. You need to pray five times a day and after you reach 10 years old, you have no excuse. 10 years Hijri, that's nine years, roughly nine and three quarter years. How many of you are older than nine years old? None of you, you don't have excuse. How many of you are older than seven? Ah, you don't have much of an excuse, just only one or two times, very rarely. But the ones who are older than 10 years old, nine years old, you have to pray five times every single day. This was the most important thing we learned from Al-Isra wal Mi'raj. And we learned many other things as well. But we're just giving at the moment, we're not going into every detail. I'm not going to tell you about everything in the seerah because later on we can go into more details in another class. We could do just a class about Isra wal Mi'raj. But I just want to give you the rough idea. Then the Prophet ﷺ, when he came back, he told the people that I have been to Jerusalem and from Jerusalem I've been to the heavens. What do you think Quraysh said? Did they believe him? They said no, they didn't accept it. They never called him, they never called him actually a liar like that because they, they called him that he was insane. They said they but they never like not 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 like the way that you said because they knew that he was very truthful. But they said many very bad things about him. Who believed him? Abu Bakr. And from there, Abu Bakr got the name As-Siddiq, the truthful one. Because Abu Bakr believed the story of Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj, the story of reaching, going up to the heavens. There's one more thing that we have to mention and we're going to mention it more next week but just so we tie our topic together. Soon after that, a group of people came from Medina to make Hajj. A group of people came from Medina to make Hajj. And when they were in Medina, they heard about Islam, the Prophet told them about Islam when they came for the Hajj and they had accepted Islam. And this is the start of the story of how the Prophet went to Medina. And that's what we're going to talk about in our next class. So again, we're not going into all the details this time. We're not going to cover everything in the seerah, but we just want to give you a little bit of an idea about what happened. And then inshallah ta'ala, we can continue with our class. So next week, we're going to be talking about the hijrah from Makkah to Medina. And if we, you know, skipped over anything important in what happened in Makkah, inshallah, we can mention it next week. That's what Allah Azawajal made easy for me to mention this week, and Allah knows best. We don't have time for any questions right now because it's time for Isha where we are. So we stop there, and Allah knows best. Wassalatu wassalam ala Nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Jazakumullah khairan for watching. Please subscribe, share, 
and you can visit muhammadtim.com.